It's flat out RC time. Welcome back to the podcast where we talk all things radio control flight. We're talking radio control planes, helis, and drones. Mainly planes, really. Sometimes helis and sometimes drones, but mainly planes if you haven't been here before. Uh, my name's Andrew Sill, coming to you from the land down under in Melbourne, Australia. The reason why I say that is you'll be surprised at how many international guests we have listened to this podcast. So big shout out to them. Thank you for joining me wherever you are, whether you're in Australia or around the world. Now, good episode coming up. Got a got a mate on this week. Uh, a guy by the name of Gavin Sexton is joining me. He's been a uh, avid aero modeler. With uh, He's a typical aero modeler. He has a shed full of uh, model aeroplanes that he rarely uses. So we're going to have a lot of fun with Gavin. So stay tuned. We'll hear his story and... Uh, have a few laughs at his expense, um, but stay tuned for that. But before I get to that, I just want to tell you about something. Well, before I get to the thing that I want to tell you about, just don't forget to subscribe to the Flat Out RC podcast. If you're new here, press the subscribe button so you don't miss out every Wednesday new episode will come out. Uh, numbers are looking good. There's plenty of people listening, which is surprising. Um, obviously, it must be my voice. Not really. Everybody says, oh, you can't stand listening to my own voice. Yeah, I'm probably the same. Anyway, um, video, I just I launched a, a video in the last week. Um, I went to an iMac aerobatic event down here in Victoria. Had a lot of fun. It was a good, good. I went there to catch up with friends, but I took the opportunity to, to film a video as well, uh, muck around with a few of the young bucks that are flying there. Um, and it was just a bit of fun. Bit of fun. Really, really hard to film IMAC competition events, a bit like pattern planes, because the pilots fly far away and they, and they do that for a reason to get the angle of their eye so they're not staring up into this, you know, wrenching their neck and better can judge their manoeuvres when the plane's a bit further away. So, But it makes it a nightmare. To, you know, filming model aeroplanes on video is very, very hard. Very hard. You know, I actually resort to my iPhone a lot because then I can see the big screen and try to track, but the cameras struggle to maintain focus is, is a big problem. It, there is a, a definite skill in doing that. I've got a big zoom lens, but you know, when you zoom in, your hand starts to shake. Oh, anyway, I could go on. Anyway, uh, go on to the Flat Out RC YouTube channel. Get onto YouTube, type in Flat Out RC. You will find it and you'll see the latest video. So take a watch and subscribe whilst you're there. I'm trying to get to 1,000 subscribers, which doesn't sound like a lot because it's not really in the whole scheme of things, but it takes a long time in the aero modeling world to build an audience because we're pretty small niche kind of bunch. So get on there, support the Flat Out RC YouTube channel. Now, I want to tell you about something. The thing that I want to tell you about is I was talking to a gentleman by the name of David Gahl, a well-known aero modeler here in Australia, who is going to come on the podcast um, in the coming months. Um, and I want to, I want, not, not only do I want to talk to him about his um, aero modeling, because he's got a big story to tell, but uh, there's an event that he brought to my attention that he's helping organise with a bunch of other people up in Queensland. The event's called the Festival of Aero Modeling. It's going to be held at the Casino Airport, which is northern New South Wales, inland from Ballina and Byron Bay sort of area. So not far, not too far from the Queensland border, but it, you know, up there at the Casino Airport where other events have been held with um, for aero modelling, jet events, etc. Um, it's called the Festival Aero Modelling. It's going to be run from the 28th of April to the 1st of May. So we're talking about a five-day event here. 
So the whole idea is this is Australia's Joe Nahl event. So if you know anything about Joe Nahl, it's an event that's held in the US. It's about a five-day event, I think. And it's basically this massive festival where all these aeromodelers come from around the US to just enjoy each other's company and fly model aeroplanes. And they have multiple flight lines, everything from the 3D flight line to scale plane, jets, you name it. Well, the uh, you know David and his team are trying to create an Australian version. Five days, Casino Airport, 28th of April to the 1st of May. So what's going to be there? Well, they're going to have two flight lines. No, sorry, three flight lines. Three flight lines plus control line. Um, that's phenomenal. So, so if with three flight lines, I mean you can have multiple different types of aeroplanes flying. So the aerobatics guys don't need to worry about the scale guys, etc., etc., etc. So utilizing this casino airport, of course, the airport runways very, very long. Um, plus the control lines circle as well, which is always good to see. Radio control flyers love to see control line planes flying. Be good to see the old uh, festival having the control liners out there and. Uh, them supporting it. Um, the good thing about the casino airport is there's accommodation nearby, 400 metres away is campgrounds. Um, there's, I think there's a caravan park nearby. Of course, there'll be uh, hotels, motels in the region as well. You can choose your accommodation style that you want. Um, so what's going to be there? Large, small-scale aeroplanes, aerotow, gliders, jets, helis, um, aerobatics, control line, basically anything. Anything and everything will be there flying. Now, I'm encouraging everybody to get down there. Like if you if you want to go if you want to have a good trip and a memorable trip, because I know that for some people around Australia, Australia's a big country and you've got to travel, and it's going to take a bit of an effort to get there from say Melbourne to get to Casino. Um, but if you make the effort, you're going to get the rewards. If you're in Queensland, it's not a far it's not far to drive. Sydney might be about a six hour drive, not too bad. Doable in one day and one day back. I've travelled eight hours to go to events. My mate Chris Rutnut Rudder has travelled thirteen hours to get to an event. That is called commitment. And I reckon he doesn't regret one minute of that drive because he had so much fun at the event. Uh, so um, once again, Festival of Aero Modeling. I will keep on reminding you about it. We'll have David on to talk about it as, as, as plans pan out. But if you want to find out more, I, I'm finding out more by visiting the Australian Large Scale Models Facebook page. Um, they seem to be pushing it a bit on there. I don't know whether they've created a Facebook page or anything. But so I'll come back to you with more information as time goes on. You've got a little bit of time. But just putting it out there, 28th of April to the 1st of May, 2022, at the Casino Airport, the Festival of Aeromodelling. Guest time, my favourite part of the podcast, because you don't have to listen to me rabbit on. Uh, this week's guest is a mate of mine, Gavin Sexton. Gavin, um, I met him, where did I meet him? Local flying club, maybe I met him. I may have met him before that. But uh, anyway, he he's an avid aero modeler. Um, we've had his son Cameron Sexton on um, with a with a bunch of young guys um, a while ago. Uh, and anyway, Gavin he enjoys all sorts of flying. You know, helis, aerobatics, pylon, scale, you name it. He flies it. Uh, so I thought we'd get him on, um, have a bit of a chat. And as I said, I've said this before. There's a lot of people that I know in aero modeling that I consider to be good friends, but I actually don't know their story in aero modeling. So I just get them on the podcast to have a chat and and not only me listen to their story, but you get to listen to it as well. And as I said, everybody's got a story. So over to my chat with my friend, Gavin Sexton. 
This is going to be a fun podcast because this week I have a guy that I classify as a good friend joining me, Gavin Sexton. Thanks for joining me on the Flat Out RC podcast. Thanks, Andrew. It's uh, great to be asked. Thank you. Very humbling. Well, the only reason why I asked you is I was running out of gas. No, not really. Um, <laughs> I When I look at the, st- st- the stats on who listens to the podcast, uh, you come up in the top three. So I thought I'd just do you a favour and just get you out of the way, get you on the podcast and have a chat. But you are an avid aero modeler, so this is going to be a good, interesting chat. Where did your journey in aero modelling actually begin? I actually don't know this. I don't know what the answer is to this, even though I know you, but I, you know, rarely do we sit at the flying club and ask each other, so how did you start out in aero modelling? But I'm asking you that now. So pretty much uh, we lived out in the country. I was born in Camperdown. Uh, side of a great little model club, actually, in the model of the Oval there, but the, the uh, racetrack there. But, uh, uh, yeah, we moved to Mornington. Uh, Dad was asked to manage two um, racehorse studs on Bungow Road, a Montana stud and Greendale Lodge, which was, like, over a 1,000 acres, massive. It was great, you know, growing up on a farm and all that sort of stuff. Uh, one day I was riding up Tybrain on my push bike and caught the distinct drone of a two-stroke model aircraft engine. I thought, what the hell's that? And anyway, I rode down and um, got down to the back oval, uh, which is uh, part of the soccer reserve down there. And to my surprise, here were these model aircraft. And uh, I just went, wow, have a look at this. Were they control line or? You know, they no, contro- no, radio, radio control. control. Yeah, they're radio. Yep. Um, craft radios, Futabas. Um, that were pretty much the bulk of the radios. What 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 year are we talking? What, what is this the seventies or? Uh we're talking probably nineteen eighty. Nineteen eighty. Okay. Yeah, it'd be nineteen eighty. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and yeah, the there was a. I don't know who the club was. Um, back then it was all twenty seven meg. Um, I ended up getting into the habit of going down there every. Saturday afternoon when the guys were down there and even back then there was no such thing as a model restrainer and I ended up sort of becoming like the caddy boy. You know, Gab, can you come and hold my plane when I started? And um, out of that, I got given the fly. I think I was only into a flight for about 10 seconds and I was already doing a loop. There was a, hmm. a lot of people having a bit of a laugh about it. But, um, yeah, and uh, sadly they ended up leaving down there because being 27 meg, some of the local morning tonights from Tanai Park worked out that if uh, – they got close enough with their uh, CB radios in their vehicles and pressed the mic button enough they could shoot models down, mm. which was pretty sad. But um, it was there was a character came down nearly every Saturday, and it wasn't till years later I, I realised who he was. It was Hans Lichens, and uh, he had a craft radio, and his favourite um, routine was just to buzz around, get a feel for what was going on up there. And then pretty much all day, all he did was uh, inverted passes, trying to drag the the rudder off on the grass down the strip. <laughs> um, yeah, look, that probably went on for uh, a couple of years. And um, sadly, uh, back then there was no ARFs. Everything was obviously um, scratch built. Uh, the biggest engine back then was probably a 60 Nitro. Uh, we had... Um, one Indian gent, I can't remember his name, but uh, he had scratch-built a Learjet, and it was beautiful aircraft, and he ended up losing that 
he flew out of range towards Mornington. We're actually scared that it was actually going to make Mornington, you know, which was probably only, oh, then it was probably a kilometre and a quarter away. And luckily it crashed in a paddock just before Nepean Highway. Oh, gee. So, uh, so wait a second. This was not a formal club, was it? I don't know. I can. I've even asked hands since then about the name of the club, and, and I don't know if it was just a group of people before they ended up becoming a club or joined a club. But it was a group of up to about a dozen modellers. But um, yeah, look, they were down there for probably about three or four years before, like I say, once they realised how bad the issues were with Twenty Seven Meg and losing their aircraft. Uh, they moved away. One guy had actually built a beautiful pit special and he had his family down there. And in the process of the test flight, um, somebody was shooting him down and the, the plane came down and it crashed. It missed his wife and two kids, I reckon, by about 10 feet. Uh, and um, hands will probably deny this, but uh, at that stage, there was a car park. It's all factories now. There was a, a car park where you drove in through uh, blackberries and and thistles, and there was like a dead-end lane, and this gent took off and drove down the wrong end of the lane, and I'm led to believe there was a bit of a kicking going on oh, really? <laughs> from a certain uh, bird down black belt. But, um, yeah, and then uh, they moved away, and a uh, family friend of ours, Tony Martin, um, he worked for GMH. He did a lot of uh, electrical stuff for them, and he'd actually designed his own uh, radio control transmitter. And uh, he was still from the era of the 60s and 70s, I guess, of um, even though they're radio control models, it was a, a powered takeoff, fly to you, run out of fuel, and they were rudder only. So it was yeah, just press the button. Channel. And he'd actually yeah. made his own transmitter. Uh, and, yeah, one day he just – came around and he said, um, do you want to come for a fly? And I said, oh, yeah. So I watched him watched him uh, fly that. And then I can't remember how it happened, but you probably heard this a few times before. Uh, the good old Cox PT-19 control line plane. Yeah. Um, at Dallas Brooks Oval, which was the top oval from where the other gents had been flying. And, uh, yeah, that was my uh, serious attempt at um, flying, a, well, just a, a model aircraft. Okay, so so before then you didn't own an aircraft. They just the guys give you a bit of a turn of their 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 planes. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, look, they're a good bunch of guys. But this PT nineteen, that's the control line. Correct. Yeah. Yep. Okay, so so you started with control line spinning around in circles. I did. Yes, I did, and I soon learned you had to step back to once your engine died, so you could keep tight lines on your uh, on your aircraft. But um, yeah, look that. I don't think I destroyed that model. I think that flew for a long time, and I think I still had that hanging in the shed. I had a look online at how much they cost now. There's some people selling oh. all around the world, and, no, it's $400 up kind of thing. Well, you know, Cox 0.09 engines, I was actually looking uh, on a Facebook page the other night, and it was um, some guys in the States that put an advert up for Cox engines. And in America, at their peak, I think they've made something like 40 million engines. Uh, they were going for five dollars US. Yeah. Um, and look, I've actually openly admit that I've actually looked probably in the last six months at a couple of new ones, or there was actually someone RC Trader. I was only going to buy a batch of them just to make up a little light 
combat plane. Uh, but yeah, look, they get snapped up like ends teeth, so they go nice and quick. I know, I know a guy that's got a brand new one in box, and it's a special version as well. And he reckons it's already up to uh, nine hundred thousand bucks worth. I don't know, I can't remember what it was, but I know it's brand new in the box. Oh, yeah, look, there's that many variants yeah. that came out. I mean, uh, they're obviously from an era where um, it was genuine stuff. It's not copied like everything is these days. Yeah. Um, I was just, oh, but yeah, I mean, it was, I think you're this second person in a row in the podcast that sort of started with the PT-19, and um, but they were everywhere. Every hobby shop you'd walk into, you'd see one sitting on the counter. Oh, Toy World in Mornington, mate. That's where I got mine. Yeah, because that's actually, that's what, um, was it Phil Spence? Was Yeah, Phil Spence, I think, was saying, or one of the guys that I've had on, on the podcast recently, he was saying that, you know, they were sold everywhere. The hardware stores had them. You know, oh, yeah, yeah, it was yeah. It's just uh, readily available. See, that helps the hobby. When things are readily available, it really helps the hobby, doesn't it? <laughs> Oh, look, and there was no internet then, Andrew. So kids were kids and played out in the street and didn't come in until someone yelled at them, you know. They played football, in, you know, under the lights on the street. Here comes a car, get off the road. Different time, completely different time now. And that's why we struggle with juniors. Well, true, exactly. Now, you, so you're flying the control line. What, what, yes. How do you progress from that? Yeah, look, I think I had a a break for about, six months and uh, I had a part-time job, uh, which basically was uh, driving the tractor around and, and going around, a, um, had to cross over Bungau Road, obviously, from one horse stud to the other, going around, doing the morning feeding of the, the horses. Um, you'd, I'd drive the tractor and Dad would be on the back and I'd pull up close enough that he could just scoop up some lucerne and whatever their feed mix was and tip it in their, their feeder and, and we did that. And that's, see, that's another thing that's how I learned to drive on a farm when I was driving a tractor when I was, you know, 10, 11, 12 years old. So it was good. Um, I ended up, there was a hobby shop in Frankston. Um, they were close to Beach Street, I think. Now, I, I, something pops in my head and makes me think that it was Hearn's Hobbies. I don't know. I could be completely wrong. But um, I found that shop and went in there, and they had a beautiful scratch-built glider. It was about two and a half metres. Uh, and then I bought my first radio control, which was um, one of those um, vinyl fawn cased Utaba radios, which was six channel. And at that time, that was that was the top of the range radio. There was nothing. How much do you reckon you paid for that? I, I paid six hundred and fifty dollars for it. Gee, yeah, could have even been a little bit more than that. I remember going, "Wow, that's a lot of money." Mm. But um, and you know, back then it was a four point eight volt battery. Um, you know, the servos weren't drawing the power that they do now. Did it Did it come with servos? Yeah, it was all ready to fly. Um, I had just put the radio in and do the CG, um, which was stuff I was talking to Tony to and he was talking me through it and all that sort of stuff. And basically uh, I nearly killed myself in the process because uh, I got the bungee and, you know, um, did a couple of hand launches and did little glides and had a feel for it. And I went, oh, yeah, this is good, no dramas. And uh, – before all the back of Mornington was built out, there was basically just all farmland there. And I found like a little top of a ridge into a breeze. It was about five knots and um, set up the bungee. And I walked back and I went, yep, this will be good. And I held full up elevator when oh. I launched. Oh, no. <laughs> and I watched this thing climb up and I'm bending my neck back further and further and further. And then I thought, where the hell's the model gone? And I heard a noise and luckily I ducked and it came right through, right where my head would have been probably you know, four really? or five foot off the deck and climbed up. And I actually was then was able to, 
fly it without destroying it. And I, I probably had that model for a year until I damaged the wing and then it was all too hard. And I sort of walked away again, you know, and at that stage, um, I'd started surfing. So that was something that was taking my life over a fair bit and obviously working. Um, and then, uh, yeah, one day I bought a, trying to think of the scratch, oh, not a scratch built train. It was, it was, a um, ready to assemble, um, trainer. Oh, um, trying to think of the name of it now. Uh, that you must have had the bug though. Like, you know, you, you, you had the control on, you bought the glider, you flew that around, you crashed it, then you parked it for a while. I'm always fascinated. What brought you back? Like, it must the, the bug must have been there. It's just you parked it for a bit. Oh, no, I just think that from a kid, every time I heard a plane, I looked up in the air. Um, when um, we were on the uh, racehorse um, studs on Bungao Road, uh, if you went further up Tyab Road, not actually Tyab Airport, but if you went through Moraduck, just up on the left-hand side near where Peninsula Link is, there was actually a private airfield there and there was always uh, parachutists. Um, so, look, we always had, there was always lots of planes up in the pattern um, flying around and, um, you know, as much as I never got to an air show, you know, I didn't even know there was such a thing as an air show. My air show was looking up watching planes flying over where they were just Cessna 152s, 172s. Um, and then a bit later on in life, um, I had a friend of mine, Ron Wooster, he got his uh, pilot's license and he said, come up for a fly. And I said, righto. So that was a Cessna 172 from Tyab. And um, uh, he was just flying around a restricted course. And he said, do I have a fly? And I went, I can't fly this. And he said, look, it's easy. And obviously a bloke with hundreds of hours up, he's just holding the yoke with his right hand, a couple of fingers, you know. Um, anyway, he goes, the plane's yours. And anyway, you've never seen a kid grab both sides of the yoke and just freeze <laughs> up. And uh, he said, no, relax, relax. And then I ended up flying around the restricted course. It was fantastic. So that sort of really got me going. I never had really had an inkling to get my pilot's license. I, I must admit I'm retiring in a couple of years and I, I probably wouldn't mind getting my RPL, but, you know, it's just obviously uh, time and I'm pretty sort of hooked up now for the hobby and, you know, most of my time off, I'm sort of thinking about when I'm going to have a fly or what am I going to do or what am I going to get ready. Yeah. So, yeah, so that's sort of basically the story of how uh, I got into it. But, okay, you you bought that trainer and where did you go? Did you join a club at that stage or? I never finished building it. You slow. Oh, I don't know whether it's. That's a recurring was... trend for Gavin Sexton. He bought a model and didn't finish it. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Andrew. No, no, I'm I'm no scratch builder, mate. I mean, uh, and even though this was a kit form plane, um, Brian Simpson in Perth, he bought the um, he bought the franchise of Aeroflight models, Aeroflight. That's Aeroflight Hustler. Yeah, that's what yeah, it was. Yeah. Um, and I think I had a forty, one of the forty OSs, an FP or something at that stage. And you don't still have it, do you? No, I don't. No, oh. I don't. No, I'm not a hoard of that bad, Andrew. Oh, because it'd be worth something now, some of those old aeroflights. Oh, I'd probably, probably more than made. I mean, the thing, you can get a kit now if you want to get it, but um, it's obviously, uh, I don't know how the sales go and stuff like that now when there's so many ARFs and composite models out there these days. I mean, people tend to progress pretty quick. A lot of people now, they, they're happy with a foam trainer. Um, and as you know, the foam has changed the hobby, you know, whether people want to admit it or not. 
Well, it has. It made it more accessible for a lot of people. You didn't have to build time, et cetera. And, um, Absolutely. You know, again, you know, I always say that things like phone models or whatever and ARFs were actually a response to the issues within the hobby. Um, you know, that the, you know, there's a lot of people out there think that, oh, you got to be, to be a true AR model, you got to be a builder. But they don't understand that that um, need to build was actually killing the hobby. That people were just getting sick of it, especially if you had unreliable gear. You know, it's not like we've got 2.4 gig now and everything like that, that you could turn up to the field and crash it within 20 seconds of taking it off and then have to build it all again and all that kind of stuff. Oh, look, yeah, I'd, I'd openly admit that uh, I would hate to put 500 hours into an aircraft, probably a little bit more experience now, and, and obviously nowhere near as experienced as some of the fantastic scratch builders we've got here in Australia. Um, but um, the biggest thing with me with scratch building is the fear of being able to finish that model off. Um, I hate covering models. Not so bad if it's something you can sheet. I really haven't glassed, um, although, you know, look, I'm pretty sure I could learn how to do that. But uh, it's just finishing the model off. I, 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 it's probably my little Achilles heel where I just go, geez, I really need to think about this before I do it. Well, you know what? You and I are the same. But I believe that if you know how, what you said, I know I could probably do it. And the same with me, I know I can probably do it. I'll work my way through it. I'll learn from my mistakes and whatever, and I'll improve. The problem is that time commitment to get through to that process at this stage of my life. I just don't have that patience to go through it, and so I will walk away from that kind of stuff. But I, you know, I did buy recently a, an Aeroflight Aries laser cut kit from scale era products and um and i'm looking forward oh, yeah. to putting that together at some point in time in my life because i built one many many years ago yeah yeah, yeah. and having built one yeah. many many years ago i think and and knowing what i know now compared to 1995 i'm thinking i'm going to do a lot better job and i'll, I'll probably enjoy that process a lot more than than originally oh, look, building I, it yeah look i've already got a model in mind for when i retire the first thing i'm going to do is um go and see trent smith and he lives couple of k's from me and get a spitfire off him um their foam core wings um it's obviously a molded fuzz and the rest of the stuff it's really you know you've just got to put it together but i just with something like that uh i can put my own finishing touch on it. you know just a spitfire that's a little bit different you know look there's been that many variants um just something different yeah and obviously the right power plant for it as well but that's that's probably the first thing i'm going to look at um having a crack at well Talking about having a crack at, I consider you to be an all-rounder, that you have flown almost every category. Now, I'm going to go through the different categories of model planes and just to test whether you have had any of these models. As my daughter opens the door and then closes the door, if you heard that noise in the background. <laughs> I've, already told, I've already told mine not to do, not yeah. to enter the room. They know that they're not supposed to open the door. When the door's closed, because I actually record this in my bedroom because the acoustics are best here. A lot of yep. soft furnishings and stuff soak up the uh, the reverb in the room, the echo in the room. And, uh, yeah, so I always say to the kids, um, shut up, Daddy's doing a podcast recording. How long is it going to take? <laughs> as long as I well, want to Well, of all the podcasts I've listened to, I've, I've rarely heard – Heard an interruption, Andrew, so they haven't been too bad. Yeah, well, the dog interrupts more than anything. The dog starts barking or scratching on the door, but um, she's all right. She loves me more than the kids do, so um, she's, she's allowed <laughs> to make noises. But okay, Come so on, here, Charlie, get your act together. Yeah, here we go, right? So we're going to go through the different categories of models of, yep. and and see whether you've had one because I reckon I'm tipping that you've had one of all of these. 
So first of all, scale models. Have you had any scale models? Uh, yep, ARFs, nothing scratch built. Um, Spitfire, Focke-Wulf, uh, Mustang, the basic, you know, stuff that was, you know, that genre of scale aircraft now. But Have you had a Cub? Never had a Cub. How's Ooh, that? Oh, gee. Never had a Cub. Uh, not even a foamy Cub? Yep, a fun cub. There you go. There you go. Close cub. enough. The tick box. Well done. See? I, yep. I was thinking, have I got a cub? No, I've got close to a cub in Balsa, and I have got a foamy cub that I had from uh, magazine days doing a review. Actually, that's still alive. That's that's um, Cam learned to, to fly on that. And um, look, he still loves to have a bit of a fly, but, you know, it's a pokey little plane. It's a bit of fun, you know. Cameron being your son. We haven't boats. mentioned Cameron, your son. Cameron flies a lot. We'll talk a bit about him after. But, um, yeah, he... Uh, it, the fun cubs are great for little planes to learn on. Oh, drama. fantastic! Yeah, I, and I, you know what I love about fun cubs? If you if you've had your fun cub for a while, it's been beaten up, and there's nothing like a beaten up fun cub. They're supposed to be beaten up, look a bit brown in the foam, all that kind of stuff. You don't want a brand new looking fun cub. You know, want one that's worked had had a hard life, I reckon. Well, that had been a good model right up until we joined P and Darks, and obviously you know about the four juniors. Yes, uh, Belint, Harrison, Guy, and Cam. They've all been on and, the uh, um, on the um, they've been on the podcast. Yep, before. The, the four amigos. Yep, and um, oh, I'd met Christina and and uh, Sonia, and I was t- having a chat to Sonia, and next thing I hear, oh God, look at that! And Harrison and uh, sorry, um, Cameron and Belint had got too close together. I think someone was trying to do rolling circles around the other plane, and here's two two um, multiplex aircraft entangled on their way to the ground, and and uh, yeah, look, easy, easy repairs, easy repairs. That's the good thing about the foamies. Now, yeah. okay, next category: aerobatic models. Uh, well, we're probably hitting that uh, now pretty seriously. Um, Cam's um, really taking iMac really seriously now, and uh, I couldn't tell you how much gym practice he puts in. Uh, we've got, actually got an event on Saturday, so it's the first iMac event for Victoria at Northern Flying Group. Yep. Uh, at your brother's airfield. He's my uncle. Well, he's not my uncle. He's my pretend uncle, Mark Sills. He's got an S Correct. on the end of him, so he's no relative. But Yes, I know. Uncle will be there and cousin, his son, Riley, both been on the podcast. He's the very, actually, yes. Mark's podcast was in the top 10 most listened podcasts in last year. He, yeah, he, he, did, he did a great job. Yeah, but, he did um, a great job. He spoke really quickly, didn't he? He speaks fast. But uh, he got a lot of, lot packed a lot into the podcast. But, um, yeah, so what aerobatic models have you got? Because I know that Cameron's flying iMac, but you always like to tell me that it's your plane. So what, what aerobatic models you got? So um, we bought an aircraft off your best mate, Glenn Orchard, who hasn't come on the podcast yet, have you, Glenn? Oh, no. See, uh, he's probably not even listening to the podcast. I've, I've, you know, I've given up trying. Yeah, I know, I know. Look, we don't actually see him that much. He's busy with work. He's so. busy. He's a busy man, indeed. That's why I think he's preventing him from coming onto the podcast. But I said, just having a chat for an hour. But um, so, yeah, what did you buy of him? Um, yeah, he um, bought an extreme flight 104-inch uh, laser. Oh. And he only did five flights on it. And um, I had Cam send me a link like he normally does when he sees something on RC Trader or somewhere. Obviously sends it to the bank of dad and goes, what's the bank think here? And I went... Oh, geez. It's a good price. That's all right. Yeah, and I uh, had a chat to Stevie Malkman, and um, Stevie said, oh, mate. And anyway, next thing, spoke to Glenno, did a trip up to Dramana, and came in the back of the car. 
See, and um, you've joined the all the other people with a extreme flight laser. Yes, and don't we cop a hiding about oh, it, Robert Budo? Well, <laughs> you mentioned this iMac event that's coming up. This this podcast is actually going to yeah. come out after the event because you know I've got a few yep. in the bag, and I will be there. So hopefully, by the time this podcast comes out, the little video that I'm hoping to shoot should be live on the YouTube channel. So get over to the Flat Out RC YouTube channel. But um, yeah, I dare say it's going to be a field of lasers. Which uh, you, know the, oh, yeah. you know what the problem is? They're really good aircraft. Oh, they fly fantastic. Yeah, they fly fantastic. And um, I mean, I can only look at Cam and how he flies. Yeah, well, he's a good pilot. Yeah, he is. Um, kicks the old man to death, that's for sure. Yes, because um, you're an old man. Pilot Edge, sixty-seven inch electric. That's uh, only been up in the sky probably for about. Five weeks now, and um, I wasn't too sure how it was going to go. Bit of a story about how I got it. Turned up on an RC Trader. Um, a gent in another club I'm in uh, had had issues with with a wing tube on it and had cracked the right royals big time, and it was going to go to the tip. And it, the his lawnmower man didn't take it there, and someone else got hold of it, and I ended up buying it. And I thought, gee, there's a few parts missing here, and I had the box that it came in, and it had the gent's name on it. And anyway, uh, I contacted Terry down at Nepean, who's the register down there, and said, oh, Terry, can you, would you mind ringing this guy and asking if um, he has an issue if I phone him up personally because I don't know him, uh, to ask him if he's got any of these parts left for the model. And um, Terry said, yeah, I spoke to him, not a problem. And he phoned the gen up and he said, um, no, nah, no, nah, that's not my model. And I said, no, nah, no, nah, definitely is. Yes. It's a red, white, and black um, Pilot Edge 540. And he said, no, nah, mine went to the tip. And I said, well, he said, well, how did you know to contact me? And I said, well, the box here has got your name on it. He said, do you mind taking a photo and sending it to me? And um, I sent it, and he said, can I call you back in five minutes? And I said, yep, not a problem. And then he phoned me back, and, and he said, oh, look, I'm sorry, I'm not going to rant. I don't want to go into all the details, but I had an issue with this model. And, and look, all it was was basically a bit of wet and dry on the wing tube, and it was good as gold. And anyway, he cracked the sads and obviously cracked them big time, and his lawnmower bloke was around at the time and he said, are you going to the tip? And he said, yeah. And he said, why is that? And he said, see this box? I want this thrown out at the tip. And anyway, it didn't go to the tip. It went to somebody else who sold it. And of course, when um, he found out what had happened, he when he said, I'll phone you back in five minutes, and he phoned me back, what had happened in that five minutes was he'd phoned up his, the man he'd had for about 15 years mowing his lawns and said, never come back. Oh, really? Yeah. He basically said, mate, can't trust you. Oh, no. Can't trust you. How old was the kit? Was it because that... oh, the kit was current current kit. You can still get them. Yeah, that's the thing because because Pilot RC didn't really make smaller sixty inch models until only sixty seven inch. It is so you know it's just a nice size. Yeah, yeah. Uh, they finished it off. Success five thousand milliamp. I, I if I I tend to buy models now that suit the batteries I've got because as it is, I've got enough lipos to probably weld the Westgate bridge up if they ever needed it happening. But um. Uh, and yeah, just a thousand milliamp um, flight pack, just for a bit of security. And um, yeah, I did the maiden on it, and seriously, it was in the air for about fifty feet, and straight away I went, "This isn't going to be any issues at all." And it just flies fantastic. It's a great plane. Yeah, I'm, I'm interested in a in a plane that size. Like, it's it's compact enough to put in the car, and but a little bit bigger than some of the smaller forty eight inch kind of kind of models. So I think you know, what, what battery pack again was it? How many cells? Uh, six S five thousand milliamp. Oh gee, that's a, yeah, that's a big pack in it. Yeah, yeah. No, I'm running um, 
this is a bit of an oddity actually in LiPos. Normally, if you get a higher C battery pack, it weighs a hell of a lot more. And I'm using Jen's Ace, and I'd bought, um, I had four uh, 45 to 90C 6S5000 milliamp packs, and I ended up buying three um, 6120C. And when I actually weighed them, they actually weighed less than the 4590C. I don't know how it's come about. I don't believe they've been mislabeled, but yeah, the power difference is unbelievable. But uh, yeah, look, this this edge, I just point it skywards and it just goes vertical, accelerates. It's um, it's really good. I've got a dual sky uh, G200 motor in it, which I highly recommend. Those things are, they are made so well. The Beautiful G2000, motor. The G2000, isn't it? it G2000, sorry, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah they're oh, great. When motors. are you going to get yours flying? This My 30CC, yeah, well, yeah. I have, I've got to do a couple of things to it. It's summertime, it's too hot. Yeah, it's like we haven't had many opportunities because at the moment, it's weird weather patterns down here in Melbourne. We've had a lot of heat, a lot of humidity. We've got wind. Um, you know, if it's if it's flyable, it's really, really hot and I don't want to stand out in the heat all day long. So I'm pretty fussy, aren't I? But we're a month away or so of cooler weather, so uh, I'll, I'll get it all geared. It's almost done. It's literally almost done. It's, it's literally, oh, look, I think COVID's, it's a battery. COVID's belted us all around, Andrew. Yeah, well... I'm looking forward to this weekend, which would have happened a couple of weekends ago, but uh, getting out to an event and um, I'm not taking a plane or anything. I actually sent a message to Michael Andrusik, who's organised the iMac event. And oh, said, good. Is it okay if I come and shoot a video and take some photographs? And he said, of course it is. So, and you know what? I've worked out that half of the field has been on the podcast already. So it's been oh, an yeah. opportunity to say good day to everybody. So, um, so I'm looking forward to that. Okay. So we've covered aerobatic models and no doubt you've had plenty of other things that you've flown aerobatics with over the years. Turbines. Ah, oh, here we old, go. Hang on, the old chestnut. Oh, the old all roads lead to turbines, as I say. Oh, all roads do lead to turbines, Andrew. Okay, had so this tell exact me. conversation with with Mark Stewart yep. only last week. Yep. It's yeah. Look, um, uh, I've got four turbines, and um, oh, four. I did, I, I thought you only had a couple. No, no, no. I've okay, got what do you four got? Turbines. Uh, Excalibur. Uh, King Tech 100G in it, uh, which I flew at Mangalore just before Christmas. Fantastic event. What a top day. I really enjoyed that. Um, great bunch of people. Fantastic. I, I was blown away. Just a great organisation. Um, and then I've got a um, uh, Top RC Hawker Hunter, a little bit like Phil Singh. Um, I've always liked the Hawker Hunter. There's something about that that era jet. Yeah, um, very good. You know, and they look fantastic. So um, I I spoke to Michael Lewin and said, um, oh, look, I'm going to get one down the track. I've, I've sort of bought some stuff in the hobby when I sort of reached some milestones in my super and I'd, I'd actually hit another milestone and when I was going to get one. And anyway, yeah, one day he just phoned me up and he said, oh, look, there's a price rise. I've got one here. Do you want it? And I said, yep, yeah, not a problem. So um, this year there'll be a bit of building. There'll be a a lot more jet stuff happening. Um, what else have I got? I've also got obviously that big orange and black thing from that bloke who lives at Terralgan. Yep, the uh, Mr. the Havoc. Mr. Scott Matthews. The, the Havoc. Yep. Yeah, that's a beautiful plane. That's mag. I put that in the flat out RC magazine. It's actually on the one of the front covers. Yeah, have I've you got a copy got that of that mag. Do you need I have. Some, yeah, yeah. Need some extra copies because I think I might have a few. Um, oh, I'll, have, I'll grab another one for sure, Andrew. Yeah. I'm trying to think if I've still got that edition. Can't remember. There's a couple that I've sold out of, but um. Well, look, it was a good buy. I couldn't knock it back. And look, Rowdy's a great guy. 
Yeah, good model though. It's um, I like it's a, you know, for anyone who doesn't know, the Havoc is a is a sport jet made by a company called Elite Aerosport, and it's it's a big plane. Uh, what mode have you got in that? Two twenty or something? Ah, uh, that's an ATJ two twenty SV in that. Yeah, so but it's it's like a puppy dog to fly. Um, I've seen I've seen that plane fly, uh, and um, yeah, it can it can come in really slow and fully aerobatic, of course, but it's just got this presence because orange composite plane that is just big oh that was that was rowdy's um color scheme for um i fly rc when he had the company um and, and have a look at that he's done his ultralight now in similar colors and it looks fantastic yeah the orange so anyway that has to be flown this year uh and i'm telling you now wang jets is coming up uh, oh, i think it's going to be wang jets look all i've got to do is i've got to fit a um a boomer um air safe in there Look, Rowdy did 40 flights, never had any issues uh, at all with, with, with the air retracts, but knowing my luck, um, I, I, would rather, I would rather sort of have a device like that in that's going to save your model. I mean, if you're flying around and you see your gear drop, you know you've got an air leak and um, you, look, you can continue to fly, you can come in and land. I mean, it's, it's up to you. But my first ever time at a jet event was at Mangalore and um, it's a few years ago now and I was – sort of dismayed that blokes could throw so much money at jets and turbines and and love it so much and you know put so much faith in air retracks and even on that day there was uh might have been a euro sport i'm not sure something like that came in and the nose gear didn't come down and it's obviously too hard to land off the runway in the grass in cases of fire and um that thing skidded down the runway even with brakes on and basically wore a hole through the bottom of the model so you know that destroyed that guy's day and probably his next couple of weeks while he did repairs and um somebody else had a uh i think it was his starboard um gear not drop and basically came in and uh, probably lucky it wasn't windy because as the model spun around on the deck i mean it had been wind that wing going forward could again lift and flip the model over you know you've seen that sort of thing before but um and i just sort of went geez there's got to be a better way and around that time there was a company in America called 42% Products, and they made a lot of iMac stuff. But one of the things they made was a product called the Air Jockey, and that was the original AirSafe product. Uh, and I've still got a brand new one, which will still go, it'll probably go into a scale model I've got, a zero. Um, well, there you go, there's another scale there's model. Another one. Um, which actually might be one of the original top RC models before they were top RC. Um, but that's got beautiful, the, the, the air retracts, the engineering that went into the retracts, even the tail retract fantastic absolutely fantastic but i i my jet's got air retracts and and i haven't had a problem in tested it a lot i think i've got a an, i think i've got a leak somewhere on the brakes but the um ah. the undercarriage is okay I was, you just remind me i've got to get it i've got to get it all set up and do some testing i, I might change some of the tubing but i don't know whether i mainly might have damaged the valve to fill up the tanks so like with the fitting or something, so I've got to double check that and um see how it goes. But um that is the plan. But yeah, so so that havoc, it's got to get out for for Wang Jets. That's going to be a good event coming up. Uh, it's in April, isn't it? End of April or first week of April? Uh, it is. Yeah, we've well, actually there's another havoc in the state now. Greg Escort picked up. Um, oh, did he? Clive Hodder's um havoc. Yeah, Clive was never going to sell it. He said to me, and then the next week. Bang, here it is on RC Trade. And I phoned him up and said, is that you? And he said, yeah, mate, it's me. Yeah. He said, I've got to make room. He'd actually bought himself 
the latest BMW V8. I think it's twin turbo. Oh, so you need and he said it's taken up a lot of space. And I said, mate, come on. But anyway, uh, yeah, look, Greg picked that up and he waited a long time for it because of COVID. I think he waited six or eight months or longer it could have been. But he can't use it uh, anyway. Yeah, well, that's right. We're locked down. But, um, okay, let's keep a move. Uh, gliders. Gliders. Well, obviously the, the one I, um, I I started there, learn on that. Um, yeah, look, I've, I've never had a serious... Uh, competition glider or uh, a composite glider. Um, more Radians. Um, I've got an, a Radian XL actually, which um, I want to get up in the the air just for a, something that's going to have a little bit more endurance. And obviously, there's a motor on the front if you need to climb away. But um, not a not a You've lot. You got a discus into... launch glider, haven't you? Oh yeah. Sorry, sorry. Yes. Yeah. So <laughs> many planes, Andrew. So None easy to forget. Yes, I know. The DLG. Well, as you know, because you are Australian champion. Pretty much, um, or, uh, in waiting, <laughs> in waiting. Uh, never, ne- I'm the greatest glider pilot to never attend a competition, um, so I'm doing pretty well. Well, I'll go ahead and say this. For a bloke who's just turned 60, I grabbed this. It was Mate, it's just the basic Hobby King, the latest version one that came out, and uh, put it together for cam, and uh, you just won't have so much fun. As long as you don't dislocate a shoulder. Yeah, I nah, mean, it is technique. fantastic fun. Well, it is technique. Do you know what? I was down at um, Dave Prattley's place, um, Dave's Toys for Big Boys, specialises in gliders, and he actually showed me. I was talking about this little one-metre wingspan Tomahawk Aviation slingshot DLG that I've got, and the saying how, you know, my, my longest flight I've ever done is two minutes with it, and that was really pushing it because, you know, it's pretty twitchy kind of thing. He said, you've got to have a look at this. And he pulled out. Oh, yeah, it's he, a little model too. It's little, but then he said, have a look at this. And he, he goes, uh, follow him into his into his shed, and he pulls out, I think it's called an Elf or something like that, and it's made by Vladimir Models. And it's a one-metre wingspan, but it's got a motor that sits, it's part of the spinner, basically. So it's got a motor up front. Yep. And so he said, the, he said he's, he's awesome, and it's full house, got all the ailerons, no flaps, but it's got you know, full-span ailerons. Um, and... He said it's just great because you just launch it up on the motor, and he says it hardly uses any any power really with the, the battery. He's got a tiny battery in it, and um, yeah, he said you, you just get it up to height, and you know, he said this is this is the way to go now. I went that'd be awesome, saving from throw. Get a of course get a bit more height and get an extended flight out of it because I find with the with the little one it sort of starts to sink a bit. Yeah, it's one of those things I think that there's. The weight difference, but that is a small model, though, Andrew. It is, but but the weight difference between the 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 one meter wingspan and say my bigger one, the fifteen hundred, you know, size, um, you know, competition model, it's not dramatically different. You know, you still got to have battery in there and the servos, etc., and whatever. So it starts yeah. to add up, and um, and it's so it its glide ratio isn't as good. But one thing I love about it is, even though normally I don't have a very long flight. It's just that challenge of can I break my record? So when I broke my record and got to the two minute mark, because I've got a, I've got like a time every time I I launch, I press like the bind button on my DX eighteen, and that starts the timer. And I time you know time it from takeoff to to yep. landing, and um, you know it's just a bit of fun, just a bit of a challenge. So glider. You know, oh look, if you you had the right windy day up there and found a nice slope, I'm pretty sure you could ridge run that you, for ten minutes. You could, but the problem is you'd have to ballast it up because the thing doesn't penetrate through wind. You know, it just there's something about it just doesn't like penetrating through the wind. I've had it going backwards because um, I actually fly it on a bit of a ridge. I actually like to yep. go like a, I want to go to a flat paddock. I don't think it's a great spot where I'm where I'm flying, but it's just it's up near my holiday house. So. 
Actually, if you get onto the Flat Out RC YouTube channel again, you'll see the video. Of oh, the, I've seen that one. The slingshot. Yeah. yeah. Great little spot. I enjoy flying there. I've, I've had some great. I've actually had some really good flying fl- uh, glider flights with a with a radian there. That you know just kept on going up and up and up. So much so that I had to dive out of it to just get out of the thermal because I was getting a bit worried about how high I was. But um, good little spot. Okay, let's keep on moving. Pylon. Yeah, pylon. Oh bloody hell! I mean, uh, yeah. Look, it's a bit of a contentious thing at the moment because Cam had his heart so much set on pylon, and he's got the iMac bug now, and yeah, look, um, we're probably trying to get to some events, but look, I don't think we're going to. So you have got a I don't pylon. Think we're going to push all the way. Oh yeah, multiple. Of course. <laughs> Sex is not going to own one plane. He's gonna, we're going to have lots of them just in case. But did you fly pylon? Yeah, I only flew Quickie five hundred. Okay. Which is which is the base? Um, Cam, uh, we started out. Um, I had Andrew Arapakis. Um, give me a phone call, um, and I was working on a model in the shed. And I said, "Oh, what's up?" And um, I look, I knew Daniel and himself flew pylon, and I'd sort of I'd had no interest in it. And um, he said, "Oh, do you want to come down? Um, you want to come down the field? We'll give Cam a go of a quickie five hundred." And I said, oh, "Okay." And at that stage, Cam was still learning to fly, and basically he was just flying foamy. So at that stage. You know, I'd be getting him to do the um, circuit. You know, keep your height, don't drop low. You know, nice move, turn. Okay, level off. You know, you know how, how it is. And anyway, um, it was a bit of a windy day, and Andrew rocks up with the big caravan, which he normally does, which is his, was his pile of model tra- transporter and home at the time. And um, and uh, Daniel and and Cam knew each other pretty well. And um, anyway, uh, Dan said, "Look, I'll I'll take it up in the air and I'll show you what the go is." And I mean, Daniel could fly a chook inverted. In a race pattern, mate. The guy's fantastic pilot. I mean, I don't know just how he does it. It's, you know, for the speed those things go. And anyway, uh, yeah, look, he gave Cam the next flight. He did the takeoff and he was in it, banked, and just had the thing on a 45. And um, Andrew said, have a look at that. He's a natural, mate. And um, he had a big three weeks because he went from foamies to quickie 500. And then I'd mentioned it to Wayne Newman at his hobbies during the week and we were down at Parks on a Sunday and Wayne had a turbine out and he goes, um, how's Cam feeling? I said, good. He goes, watch this. He goes, hey, Cam, come over here. Yeah, what's up, Wayne? He goes, come out with me. He goes, oh, why is that? And he said, because you're about to fly a bloody turbine, mate. Oh, no. <laughs> and I'm not kidding. He didn't do the takeoff, but he did the flight. And if you had a rocked up, it was a pretty proud dad moment, actually. If he had a rocked up, you would have thought, this kid's has, he's flown turbines for years. Yeah, but see, this is, this, they're cheating the kids nowadays. Oh. oh, they've just got this knack to pick things up so quickly. It's just, but oh, you, you it know shits what? me, mate. <laughs> Turbines, as I say this so many times, it's just a mon- I always say to myself, it's just another model airplane with ailerons and a rudder and an elevator. But Correct. If you can fly a foamy around, there's no reason why you can't fly a turbine or a SCAR model. There's just subtleties that you need to be aware of depending on the plane, you know, um, with uh, wing loadings and weight of planes and all that kind of stuff. But yeah. the actual act of flying the plane is exactly the same, um, you know. All bar turbine lag. Yeah, oh yes, that's what I mean. Little subtleties like the turbine lag. But if you if you stay on top of that, you'll be okay. Um, yeah. The thing is also you fly a turbine very differently to say an aerobatic model. With an aerobatic model, you do fly fast and slow, fast and slow, right? Because it, you've got that really broad flight envelope. But I've never seen someone with a turbine, you know slow it right down like we do a 3D aerobatic plane kind of thing where you're, you've are you always got throttle on when you're in the air. From takeoff, 
pretty much through your approach to landing, you're you're pretty much got enough thrust there. It's the turbo lag, the turbine lag is really only the issue if you fluff the landing and need to go around. I oh, yeah. is the biggest problem. Because besides that, you're not gonna it's not as dramatic. Like the the spool up time going from a low idle to full speed, that takes a lot of time. But most of the time with a turbine, you might be at two third or you know, half throttle flying around. So half throttle to full throttle is not much. So your lag's really not playing a major, major part for most people that are flying up in the air unless you're going back to idle, which most of us don't. So um Oh flying Excalibur, mate, it's the thing with that, it, it's a trap for young players. I haven't been caught out, although I, I have slowed it down. Um, I had a lot of people say, just come off the power early because the thing glides. My God, mate, it's a glider on landing. If yeah. there's any wind, it just wants to keep going. But obviously, just having a um, a belly flap instead of um, yeah, uh, dual flaps on the wings, you know, it doesn't slow down as much. But that's like the old Kangaroo Fiber Classic. That was the same sort of setup. And Boomerangs and some of the other jets that were out there. Um, but, yeah, you just, it's just a case of get used to it. And, um, yeah, no, it's good. So, yeah, so back to pylon. So, um, yeah, we started, we got into the, the pylon regime and Cam was going, it wasn't really getting a lot of results, but um, a lot of the guys that, that race, you know, they're older blokes and they're, they're smart. They've been around a long time and there's a lot of tricks to the trade, um, you know, with trimming models and other bits and pieces. So it was um, – Good times. Um, Barry Murphy and, and Andrea Packers, they helped us out fantastic a lot. Um, Barry's got a field at Munro um, just past Stratford near Sale, uh, which is a, a private strip, even though it's an MAAA field now. And, um, yeah, look, he's, he's, there's been uh, Australian selection pylon events there. Um, but, it, look, it's, it's, like, it's like IMAC. It's, it's like a lot of things. One of the big things with sport once you get into the specialized uh flying um types that there are it's the travel um most events are two days and a lot of people want to get there on a friday and unfortunately for me being a shift worker it made it very difficult because if uh if i could get the leave if no one else was off um, i ended up taking three days off and as i do 12 hour shifts that's 36 hours and that's pretty much a standard person's week off if they've got an rdo well, that's the thing it took a bit of a toll that, that that is like in Australia, you know, for people listening overseas, everything's far away. You know, yeah. um, oh, you know, if you talk to, I was talking to Martin Brammuller from Austria, and he has to go to an event in Germany. Well, that's an hour and a half drive for him, maybe. Oh, well, the poor bugger. We're we're flying. We're we're traveling two and a half hours to three hours, uh, even further for some of these competitions, because Australia is just a big landmass, and we've got clubs all over the place, and often a lot of the competitions are held. Into sort of more country country areas than in the uh, suburban areas, um, and I think that's probably because the suburban areas are busier clubs and they don't want to shut the field for people to for a weekend. So the country clubs are sort of the go to. But um, yeah. yeah, it is. And and then, like you said, it's that two day commitment that you've got to make. You know, you got to get oh, there. You got to you got to fly, and then you got to come back. Oh, look, and the thing with pylon too. It, it, look, it, it is one of the. Um, uh, special interest groups that when the racing's on, it's go, 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 go. You're either, you're either racing and depending on how many people turn up, you're, you're back checking your model, refueling, making sure everything's right, um, getting ready to go out and say another 10, 12 minutes. Look, a race, 
a race that doesn't last very long at all. I mean, uh, an F3D can do 380 kilometres an hour, and if uh, F4 or oh, F oh, F3T, I think it's called now because they've just changed it, uh, which is um, it's basically a Nelson 40 size uh, motor uh, with no throttle. Um, those things will do 320, and then like a quickie 500, that'll do 250. Um, you know, if there's a bit of wind. Um, and yeah, look, it's it's pretty full on. And I mean, um, and then when you're not racing, you may be out in one of the cages judging, or you may be on one of the, the cut turn points. Um, yeah, look, at the end of the day, I'll tell you what, you're happy to have a meal and have a beer, I can tell you right now. Yeah. Especially if it's been hot. It's true. So yeah, COVID sort of, COVID sort of threw a spanner in the works because, um, look, Andrew had been pretty good with me. He'd actually set up the 2019 Victorian um, uh, calendar to sort of suit Cam and me, which I was pretty thankful for. Look, it obviously had to be approved, but it was, and that way we were going to be able to get to every event. And the hope was that as Cam was probably one of the only juniors in Australia, if it had gone ahead, well, he, he may have represented Australia as a junior in pile on it. I think it was Muncie in America. Um, and yeah, COVID unfortunately put an end to everyone's dream. So that's true. Yeah. Okay. So next category, let's keep it moving. Helicopters. Oh, don't go there. Uh. <laughs> All I can say to anyone listening out there who hasn't flown helicopters, you buy one, you can't stop. They are addictive. I love flying helicopters. Absolutely. How love many helicopters, helicopters do you own, uh, Gavin? Currently 12. 12? 12. You've got a problem. No, I haven't. How, okay. How many models do you think you roughly own? Oh, in total? Yes. Oh, Built and Andrew. Unbuilt. Oh, mate, I would have a good. <laughs> You're not laughing there, are you? No, not yet. <laughs> I'm about to, though. <laughs> oh, I would have a good 60 plus. He's worried that his wife might hear this podcast, and so he's not divulging uh, she's, the exact she's number. Given she's, gi- she's given up. She's given up, mate. What are you going to do with 60-plus aeroplanes, Gavin? Why do you need 12 helicopters? Are you like Michael Timms doesn't, that's collecting them? No, I'm not. No, no. Timsy's got some – I was actually talking to Timsy during the week just on Messenger saying, oh, hang on, here's another here's another heli. Um, him and I, we're both on the forums together a fair bit. There's um, a vintage helicopters um, – page on Facebook, which is actually really, really interesting. Where you see where helicopters came from to where they are now. It's, oh, no. Oh, it, it, it's changed. Or oh, when are you going to fly yours, Andrew? I don't know. I've got I, – I, actually, I was thinking about it yesterday. I should – I've got, I, I haven't flown a heli for a while. What I'll do is – have, have you picked up the new one? No, I'm, I've got to pick up this T-Rex 550 that a friend's giving me. I've already got a T-Rex 550. It needs – I need someone to look at it though. I put a different speed controller in it, and we can do that. And set up a governor or something, and it's I don't know. I just need to get rid of it and um, the governor thing, and it should be fine. But um, but um, I've got a T Rex four fifty, so I've got old Alliance stuff. But um, I'm thinking oh, I thought the other day I should just get that little four fifty up. Actually, I think this friend's giving me a Blade one thirty X, which I used to have and I used to love flying that. So that's what I need to do. I need to get that Blade. I've yeah, got plenty of batteries, do a whole bunch of flights because I really enjoy flying. That, like, that taught me a lot, that that little heli. And um, then I can go into the bigger stuff. But you know what? I love the look of helis. My plan is actually to get one of these T-Rex 550s and put it in my office just so that I can look at something. 
It's going to be like well, I did it. I did a good piece. deed after after you bagged me out about not giving Rob Barbudo a flight. Yeah, Rob Barbudo is a good pilot. You told me oh, that he's, he's, a, a he's an pilot. amazing heli pilot. He is an amazing heli pilot. No, um, uh, Stevie and I were having a fly, and I saw Robert. He was down there for IMAC practice, and I've gone, give him the big whistle, and I'm waving him over, and you can see him going, "What's going on?" I said, "Here you go, mate. Have a fly." And uh, it's JR Ergo 30, 1997 helicopter. So, I mean, it's it's getting on now and um, still flies as good as like it was when it was new. And um, anyway, Rob lifted off and he went, oh, your gimbal's a little bit loose. And I said, well, it's a 14-year-old um, Spectrum, the original seven channel. And, mate, he did precision flying in front of us. And I tell you what, he's not lost anything. My God, he was fantastic. I haven't seen him. Well, he might be at the IMAC comp, might have a chat with him. Should bring him he will be, yeah. Case. Now, okay, um, I, I think I'm right in saying that you're a generalist. You've got, you've had so many different models, and you you fly different things, which is which is good to see. And and you've got a a, a certified addiction to flying model airplanes. So um, congratulations on that addiction that you have. Uh, question for better you. than drugs, Andrew. It, oh, <laughs> always go to the lowest common denominator. So you know when your wife comes up to me up to you and you say, oh. You know, you spend so much. She says you, you spend so much money on airplanes. You always have to try to find something else to compare it to. It's like, well, at least I'm not down at the pub getting drunk every night. Yes, <laughs> well, I can do that if you want me to. And if they say yes, yeah, okay. Well, I'm going now. No. Bye. No, look, Sandra's happy that I do this. She knows that Cam and I do it together, and um, and uh, look, he's made a lot of good mates out of it. And uh, look, so have I. Um, but look for someone. Getting into the hobby, um, you'll make some lifetime mates out of the hobby. It's it, it's as you've said before, we're tinkerers. Um, we all have common interests. Um, you know, look, I I couldn't tell you. I'd have eighty, ninety thousand dollars, mate, of fishing gear, going from the smallest lightweight fly rod up to the heaviest game tackle. And then I saw Craig Babry today, and here he is, and he's up there doing exactly that. I catching, saw that catching. I've- Trout on fly, and this is the thing. I with- need to. I, I I need. Well, my brother's into fly fishing. He's got a fly rod, and uh, up at my holiday house, he can actually catch trout in the river. And oh, of course thought, you can you know up what? there. Oh, he said I, I was there with a spin rod, and I thought, nah, I really need a fly rod. So if you want to give me one, I'll take one to play with. I oh, yeah, I can do that. Yeah, okay. No problem. Well, I'm you know I've got this. <laughs> Perfect time to ask when you're on air and all these people are witnessing you <laughs> saying you're going to give me, me a fly rod. You know, imagine you yeah. said, and you had to say yes because imagine if you said no, you'd look like a bad bloke. Good on you. Now, question for you, actually. Uh, we've mentioned Cameron Sexton, your son, and uh, yeah, budding, uh, budding iMac pilot now, and he's going to do well because he's got he's he's a really good pilot, so he'll be he'll be fine. But question for you about. Um, Cameron getting into flying and as the dad, your approach to it, like, you know, not every dad, you know, my son's not that interested in in flying. He sees me play on the simulator and he'll come and grab the sticks and that's the closest he'll get. I say, do you want to come to the flying field? He goes, no, that's boring. And I say, and my response, natural response is, well, you're boring. Um, but how did, how did you get Cameron into the flying thing? Oh, look, um, I remember... Sandra was pregnant with um, Lauren and um, actually I'll tell you actually well, that's led into a good point and you're asking how I got into the hobby. Um, I work at Blue Scope Steel and um, 
I'd scored some overtime in the service shop, which was where they do machining, laving, all that sort of stuff. And and the overtime basically was was to go around four lathe operators' lathes, and when they finished doing a lathe, clean out the swarf that uh, is in the collection point at the bottom of the lathe. And I was uh, working with this one guy called Cole Tacarino, and I think he might have been in CMAC, but I'm not sure. And um, we were having morning tea, and he had posters of aircraft up. And I said, oh, Cole, do you go to air shows? And he said, no. He said, um, I fly radio control model planes. So thanks, Cole. It's all your fault, mate. Uh, <laughs> he's he's the one who he's the one who, who actually yeah that was that was it. As soon as I saw that, and I said, well, where do you fly? What do you do? Um, yeah, and I look, I hunted around, and there was um, a couple of clubs. There was Parks at Caram Downs, obviously before the freeway had gone through, and uh, there was uh, Western Port Model Aircraft Club, and I ended up joining that and um yeah look i was in it for 20 years on the committee for nearly 14 and um yeah look it was fantastic and um yeah obviously you meet just so many people in this hobby that's 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 the good thing about it comradeship it's fantastic so but back to my question gavin because you haven't answered it you sound like a politician cameron sexton your son how did he get into model flying how did you introduce him to it Oh, mate, he – so basically, yeah, look, Sandra was pregnant with um, – Daughter. Lauren at the time, our, our eldest, that were the two kids, and that's when I'd bumped into Cole Tacarino. Uh, I ended up going up and see Addy when Addy had Addy's hobbies up at Carum and um, bought a trainer, uh, a Blue 46 LA. Um, and, yeah, the other thing it was basically to try and work out what sort of um, radio to get, and I think I ended up going high-tech first off and um, – uh cam came along another couple of years later and obviously I'd, I'd had the bug and that was it i was i was flying three times a week at least minimum i know sandra would say oh what time are you going to be back and i'd say yeah i'll be back at two dale well i'd be on the way home and it'd be five o'clock where are you <laughs> i said oh, i'm going to ask you this someone. question this is the third time round, gavin i'm going to ask you this question yes how did cameron get into flying gavin cameron got into flying because i was flying so, but did he's, he want, was he was he enthusiastic got, about it? Like when he, you know, well, he'd come in the shed and he'd see me putting ARFs together and bits and pieces. Um, uh, and it got to the point where, like, he didn't start flying before ten years old. I think he was eleven when he started flying. Um, and yeah, look, uh, I'd had him down the field and I had a trainer all ready for him to go, and basically um, said, "Come on, mate, let's go." And Got him up in the air, and obviously, kids don't all click straight away. I mean, it's 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 these days with foamy, and you know when they don't equate a dollar value to it. You know, there's obviously no fear factor, so they they go for it. But um, yeah, look, he 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 took to it, and then he'd say to me, "Oh, when are we going flying again? When are we going flying? When are we going to take the Spitfire down? When are we going to do this? When are we going to do that?" And and yeah, look, it and got my general aviation bug. I mean, uh, even now we'll watch um. We'll watch YouTube videos of air shows and stuff, and we just love our aircraft. Yeah, it seems to be as well. We all do, really. You know, we love talking about it. We love flying them. We love building them. We love everything. Like it's, it, I actually, I'm really enjoying watching YouTube videos of uh, like full size stuff. There's a, there's a there's a YouTube channel that I've come across called Jimmy's World. Go and have a look at YouTube at Jimmy's World. And there's this okay, guy. I haven't heard that one. He's, he's hilarious. He's, he's, he's really good on camera. Like, he's very entertaining. And what he does is, he, I think, 
the story goes that he had a business that he sold to, he made a bit of money. And now what he does, he goes and finds these old clunker of planes and resurrects them. Right. Oh, and I have seen that see, guy. Yeah, yeah. If he, he tries to start them up, to see if they'll go, and and you know, yeah, is there anything to try to get the thing to go? But he's he's rebuilding a Cessna three ten, and I watched a video the other day, and it's pretty disgusting because it was full of mouse nests and droppings, droppings yeah. and throughout the whole plane because this thing had been sitting there for 30, 40 years or something. And it, anybody in their right mind would not do it. He actually starts his videos by saying. You know, do not do what I do. Like this is you are not you are going to waste a lot of money, and that's what he's doing. He's putting a lot of money into it, but he's he's actually subscriber counts going rocketing up because he's just one of those natural talents on camera, um, and um, it's just it's just fun to watch. So I find myself watching a lot of that because I find sometimes on YouTube, to be honest, you watch a YouTube video of an aerobatic flight or something like that, and after you've watched. 20 of them, it's just the same thing kind of thing. Yeah, they're good and you appreciate the, the skill, but I don't I don't necessarily go to YouTube to hunt out another 3D aerobatic flight kind of thing. Everyone sort of does variations on a theme kind of thing. You get some exceptions, yeah. you know, that, you know, Jace Ducey will, will Jace do it to Ducey, the extreme. Yeah, yeah. But, um, yeah. And, and they're good to watch, but I don't necessarily hunt them out all the time to go and watch another flight of an of a aerobatic model or something like that. I do, I do like watching the um, the Horizon um, Air Meet live that they do. Oh now. yeah, that's good. That's a yeah, that's yeah. a great that's a great event, you know, because it's basically like being at a fun fly, but a really well organised one where, with the commentators yeah. and everything like that. I'm, I'm a big fan of commentary at the field, but um, yeah, they've done a good job of that. But I mean, I, I think they did that before COVID. But I mean, the, the one they did in 2019, they did a fantastic job. I mean, we watched that. Yeah, it's, um, it's it, a lot of effort, a lot of cameras, a lot of technology that goes oh, into yeah. it to stream it. But um, it's such a good thing for the hobby because, you know, it just, you know, in, inspires us. We see these massive Concords and you name it. Uh, you know, all decent models are there. And, um, of course, there's a lot of promotion for Horizon, but that's all right, you know, because they're, they're probably more progressive than most organisations and really, let's put it this way, if we didn't have Horizon Hobby, what have we got left? Not much. Oh, we've got Extreme Flight, Pilot RC. If we lose Horizon Hobby, the hobby's in a, a lot of trouble. Yeah, oh, I think so. It's I'm getting nervous, Gavin, about the hobby. I, look, I'm getting nervous about 20 years ahead of you know when I really need to. But you know, we see it in our local town here in, in Melbourne, the decline of the local hobby shop, and um, you know, accessibility to products with the whole COVID pandemic and supply chain issues and the delays in shipping and things like that you know it's it shows us what where we're heading like actually if we look at the rc heli scene and how it's sort of dropped dramatically since it's heady days oh, yeah. and, you know 2011 yep. 12 those kind of that kind of oh, era it was monstrous and was, yeah. you know i wasn't a com flyer i mean we we had an absolute heli boom at western port it was um it was fantastic i mean Look, the thing is too, look, I just hate it's another chestnut in the room, but China just copies everything. No offence to them, but, you know, they killed a line off. Um, you know, when you see, you know, such a well-designed product, the next thing you know, there's a, there's a, a Hobby King, HK600. I've got a, I've got a theory know, on that though. I've got a theory on that. The way that and and I, I said this to a guy that I know in China that was manufacturing models because he was copying an extreme flight scheme, and I said to him, "Hey Frank, don't copy the scheme. 
People don't like it when you copy the scheme. He looks at me and he's a lovely guy, nice as pie. He's not dodgy. He's, he doesn't think he's trying to rip anybody off. He looks at me and he says, but people really like that aeroplane and we want people to like our aeroplane as well. I said, no, no, Frank, it, the people don't look at it that way. They look at it as if you copied the, the, the model and they don't like that. Do something different. And he looks at me and goes, okay, okay, Andrew, I'll do that. Right? He, it was this genuine thing that what they were trying to do is they admired something else and wanted to um, emulate that even down to the colour schemes. Now, okay, of course, there's going to be some organisations that's going to rip something off and sell it as a cheaper knockoff kind of thing. But I know that with some of them, it's they. I know that a lot of the Chinese manufacturers look up to Extreme Flight. I've been in the room with them all and the, the, the factory owner, the Extreme Flight factory and that kind of stuff. And... You know, you go and speak to Tony Tan that started Pilot RC, and he will tell you, "Oh, look, we'd all like to be like Extreme Flight. That is our, they are the benchmark. You know, with the quality of the yep. models and that kind of stuff." And Tony's done an exceptional job, lovely. Oh, guy. and the fact that they have the best demo pilot in the world. Who Andrew Sil? Who? Oh, uh, yeah, 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 Andrew Dusia. Oh, Jace Dusia. Yeah, yeah. Well, yes, uh, yes. But, but look, even before Jace, there was other. You know, Dan Holman. That like that. that there was always people always had good. Show pilots, you know, 3D Hobby Shop had Joe Smith and whatever, and um, Pilot RC's quality bumped up, and that it bumped up as a result of extreme flight. So they go toe to toe now. Throw in Skywing's coming into the market a bit as well. There's another brand I think. Oh, Skywing is yeah. yeah. So these guys, but they're not. You know, Pilot RC is not copying extreme flight. They've they've they're different schemes and all that kind of stuff. But um, but yeah, I think that that China thing is sometimes it's almost like we just want to be like them and people like that. So I'm just going to build that, this innocent view of copying something. And okay, people are going to say, oh, Andrew, you're being a bit naive. But well, at least there's one person, Frank, who's a great bloke. I've spent a lot of time with with him and he does, doesn't make models anymore. He genuinely thought, oh, but people like that. So that's my thoughts on on some of these these, these knockoffs. But yeah, that the whole heli scene. Uh, I don't know what sort of. Oh, it was a golden era. I was actually yeah. had this conversation with someone only last week. It was an absolute golden era. It was the transition from heading hole gyros to free axis gyros. I mean, there's people now, mate. If you gave them a rate, a helicopter with just a rate gyro on it, they go, "What the hell's going on here?" I mean, it's 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 chalk and cheese. It's completely different. You know, when you can park a, a heli in a hover and put the transmitter on the ground and the thing's just basically sitting there, you know, it's not, it's not, it's not rolling off, off to one side, you know, like a, a ball bearing on a sheet of glass. I mean, cause that's, that's been an analogy that's been used that many times. You know what it could have been as well. There was a certain demographic that was involved in that uh, heli scene. That was a, a younger demographic in their sort of twenties and they were all egging each other on. Now what ends up happening to them all? Life starts to catch up with them. They start getting more serious about work and now they've got to travel for work and now they've got partners and they're having families and they're blah, blah, blah. And so the heli, because it was they were so involved with it, you know, and because part of flying a heli, is, and especially if you're doing 3D flying, is you're going to crash the thing, which means you have to fix the thing, right? Because exactly. they're not really, well, some are ARFs now, but, but you have to fix it. So And then you keep on spending more money. Uh, the other thing is the cost nowadays if you go and damage um, your rotor blades, you know, it, it's it's got a bit more expensive because of exchange rates here in Australia back to that era because I was selling model planes sort of back then when, um, you know, there was more 
the the US dollar in Australia was sort of a, Australian dollars at parity, but um, but yeah, it's it. And then the drone thing came in the FPV drone thing, but it hasn't. It hasn't like a lot of people thought. Oh, this is going to be the renaissance of the hobby and all that kind of stuff. It hasn't. You've got a core group of people that enjoy the racing. That's all tamed down now. There's not as much of a buzz in the air about the FPV thing. The hobby shops no. realise that you can't make a lot of money out of selling FPV stuff because, you know, you're talking about pretty cheap stuff with low margin. That you know, you know, you make five bucks and you have a guy in your shop for five hours trying to work out what he needs, right? But um, that's why we see some of the stores. I mean, like, everything's moved online. A lot of the shops uh, are multi-purpose shops. Like I know one store up in New South Wales that does a lot of FPV gear, and but they sell computer equipment as well. So you know, under a different brand, but in the same shop kind of thing. So it's it's yeah. it's, it's that's not living up to uh, you know the promise that everybody thought it would have. You know that oh these people will then come and fly model airplanes. We saw one of the FPV drone organisations or you know groups join the Greensboro Club down here, and and that's been really good. Um, but I dare say there haven't been many people that have said, oh, you know what, now that I'm down here, I might get a fixed-wing plane and have a crack at it as well. No doubt there will be some um, that that may have done that. But, um, you know, we're seeing – I think we're sort of seeing that starting to decline a little bit. There's not – you know, the buzz is not in the air. Um, and so, yeah, I'm just – I've, I've talked about this in, in last week's podcast or a couple of weeks ago where um, we just need to act now because it takes time. And I'm, I'm pointing, We certainly do. I'm pointing to the industry uh, to, 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 to fight for their survival, to keep the market buoyant. And um, MAAA, you know, the associations, they're, the, they're the really the linchpins. Okay, the clubs need to create nice clubs, friendly places, run come try days. That, you know, we look at this IMAX scene. Yeah, that's, that's important. Yeah. You know, the, the Victorian IMAX scene has grown on the back of Michael Andrusic running come try days. And then yes, it, it exactly. spread like wildfire. And, you know, it, it's it's you can join dotted lines between everybody that got involved. Stevie Melkman says, hey, why don't you come down? We're having a come try day at Packen and why don't we do that? And then um, Simon Ventvogel says to Rob Barbudo, hey, let's try this IMAX thing. Okay, let's go. And then... You know, um, uh, Cameron get in, gets influenced by Brad Worm. Why don't you come down for IMAC? And then next minute, well, look Harrison's, at Harrison. Harrison's, Harrison's going to be at his first one this week, and I believe Belint's going to go up as well. So yeah, so we've got the that three so, amigos are going to be back together again. And this is what happens. This is what happened in the heli scene. Hey, why don't you come and fly helis? Okay, let's go and fly helis. And yeah, but I, I must admit, I know you you're talking about a lot of the younger guys. Like there might have been a lot of the younger guys at Freestyle Flies and that. But my take on it is. A lot of the heli pilots were guys between 30 and 50. Um, I've got a friend of mine, Phil Firstfield, and I mean, I never, ever, ever thought he'd fly a heli, and he's a dark sift now when it comes to helis. I don't think he, he's, I don't think he's flown a plank in, geez, it could be 10 years, but he loves his helis. Yeah, well, you know, we've got people like Dennis Bilby that that you know really is. Still, yeah, that was a good interview. Yeah, and a good guy, and he's he's really into yeah. that heli thing, and. and and I love that. I, I miss the days, though, of that the, the heady days of the heli because it was such a cool scene. It was just so good to watch them and and the vibe that was going around the events that they'd run and that kind of stuff. Well, Lance Sisley, he got out of F three C, is it for the helis? Yeah, yeah. That. Um, and and that's and that's died off. Um, you know, there's a few guys in P and Darks who were out there. You know, that were doing that. Stevie's another one of them. Greg Lepp, you know, all those guys. They were going up to New South Wales for the comps. They still fly like Stevie Melton will get out here, get his heli out and stuff like that. But yeah, um, we've been we've been flying helis together a bit lately, actually. And but it's one of those things like 
I can't relax yet flying a heli. Um, I can, you know, so, and I'm, and because I'm sort of time poor, when I go to the field, I really want to fly one of my aerobatic planes or something like that. So that's why I'm not in a mad rush to get back to the helis. Um, but I'm happy to have it sitting there. I love the look of helis. Just a big heli oh, sitting there. It's addictive, Andrew. It's addictive. Oh, I love well, I flying you're, helis. You're addicted to a lot of things. Speaking of addiction, what's this problem that you got with Facebook? You've won the award for the aero modeler that comments on, on almost 100% of uh, fa- any Facebook posts to do with aero modeling. Like, are you getting paid oh, by Mark Zuckerberg to keep Facebook going? No. Oh, he probably needs it though because I think his Bitcoin, Zuckerberg, Zuckerberg Bitcoin, or well, his version of it isn't going very well. Has he got a coin? He has got a coin apparently. Really? Well, I didn't see that. Yeah. I, I bought some Bitcoin the other day. I'm not a big Did high you? roller with it. Only a little bit. Oh, you know what? With with all that crypto stuff, I put a little bit of money in just to see what happens. And, and that forces me to watch it to see what happens. And I can tell you now, I bought in Bitcoin because it's dropped. And I bought just an extra hundred bucks or something like that, so I'm not banking the farm on it. I can tell you now, no. that I'm down thirty-one point three six percent. So it is a bit of gambling in a kind of way. Listen to us, Gavin. Have we run out of things to talk about now? Because we're talking about you know the state of the stock market or something. We're no, modelers. but it may affect the, it may affect the hobby because at the moment there's a lot of people on disposable income. There's a lot of people haven't spent money. Gavin, due to COVID, that is a load of rubbish. Don't you know that we aero modelers? None of us have any money because we spent it all on our model aeroplanes. We're not investing in anything. The only thing we're investing in is going and buying more models. Just have a look at your shed. Oh, I, I have eased up. <laughs> not, not. A, <laughs> you, you sound like a child. I have eased up. How many models <laughs> have you bought in the past year, Gavin? In I didn't know you had four year? turbines. I thought you had two. Yeah, well, there you go. Because you bought another one. No, well, look. I had the hundred for a while, and that was the plan. Was that would go in something like what it's in now? Um, the Havoc well, when that came up, I just went, "Oh God, how good's that?" And look, Mark Stewart and a lot of the other guys said that. Look, a lot of the turbine guys said, "God, that was a good buy." Yeah, and um, then you had to modify. I nearly, trailer. I nearly didn't get that. I nearly, well, I did. I nearly didn't get that plane because uh, Greg Escort, when he was up at. Rowdy's place, he'd actually seen it, went, oh, it's up for sale as well. And Rowdy said, yeah, and he went, oh, I can't afford it this week. Yeah. Because he just he just bought his uh, 50% Hempel pit special. Well, he's got, yeah. Greg's yeah, got plenty got of aeroplanes. I've, I've, I've banned oh, myself. Oh, Greg's another one. Yeah, but I'm not buying any aeroplanes. That's it. I don't need any more because I just want to fly the ones I've got. I really want to just practice my aerobatics, fly my 100ccs, I want to get my F5J glider back and go and do a glider comp with the guys, just learn that as just another skill kind of thing after I get it repaired from whacking into the back of my head because I'm an idiot. But um, so I'm looking, I'm really looking forward to that. Beyond that, there's not one mod. Okay, I always want a super chipmunk, but that's a very long term project. Uh, like 20 years. No, nah, you need to do down. a big scale. You need to blow some plans up and go big. Well, big, big. I've got no room, Gavin. I don't have endless room. And if I. When you rent your next factory, Andrew, your next office. Oh, do you know what? I've. Look. Because you are getting busier. I do need to. I, I do need to. I, I really want to invest in a warehouse. Anyway, speaking of aeroplanes. I do have to get rid of some and. Oh, uh, to look, him. hopefully we pick up some more juniors because oh. I'll probably give away some more planes. Oh, listen to him. Well, you know, I'll probably give away some planes. We, oh, I'm coming to get that fly rod off you because it sounds like you've got no room for your fishing rods. You've got that many aeroplanes there. Gee. Oh, no, they're all right. That's all good. No, actually, we've got another young kid in the club. 
Um, a I met few. him a couple of weeks ago. I think he's Cooper. Right? I don't, but the, I think Cooper is his name, and he's only a young kid. And mate, I said to Cam, I watched him fly, and I said to Cam, give him a fly of the laser. My God, yeah, well, Cam, that what. kid fly, mate. Oh. We can talk Another about these kids that come in, to, but we we were a member of we you and but I. But we members, need them. Yeah, true, but a um, little tip, Gavin. We at the club that we are a member of is one of the biggest, if not the biggest, model flying club in Australia, and so we're headed we, for two hundred members. Actually, we're about one hundred and seventy-five, not two hundred. No, a bit more than that now. No, I swear we're one hundred seventy-five. Check the latest newsletter. But anyway, let's just say it's around one hundred seventy-five. Yeah, there's eleven more. Since when? There are 175 members. There's roughly Since 170. I spoke to the registrar the other day. Okay, well, it's not 200 because 175 plus 11 is not 200. Anyway, we are a Getting big club. There. We right? are a big club. And so on average, we have what? Maybe now, how many kids under the age of 18? Because guess what? Cameron's 18. Belint is 18. Yeah, I know. There's two <laughs> or three. There are three kids out of 175 Yeah, members. there's four, I believe. Oh, four. Okay, I'll give you the yep. extra. Four out of 175. That yeah, ratio means that in 20 years' time, our hobby is decimated. It's halved because we don't have the uh, enough people coming into the hobby. So, you know, we've got a poor death rate, basically, and that is my concern. Okay, I do not believe that we're going to convert kids to come and fly model aeroplanes en masse. Not going to happen. We are better off targeting the 50-year-olds, the 55-year-olds, the kids have finished school. They don't have the school fees anymore. They've got a bit more disposable income. They've got a bit more time back because they don't have to take their little Johnny yeah, but you know what, on Andrew? the weekend. We need a plan full stop and we, and we don't have it. No, I've got a plan. Nobody wants to listen to the plan. I just, I'll just i reiterate the Andrew Sill plan. We need to expose we people have to the to hobby. Market, we need to market to get people into the hobby. We have to advertise. You have to pay for the attention to put the hobby in front of people. You'll put it on Facebook and Instagram because it's the most cheapest price of attention. I'm talking like a marketing guru here. You do that. Well, you what, are. Are you, what are you advertising? Come try days. Clubs are on the come try days. Get people to touch yeah. and feel it. Guess what? You're invited down to go and have a fly of a pylon uh, plane. And guess what? By the end of the day, you could committed to go and fly pylon. Fancy that. It was a bit like a come try day. It's not it rocket was we, it do was. Not, we do not need to have forums where people get together to throw around ideas of what we need to do. We actually know what needs to be done and just go and execute on that. Just go and it's not that hard. MAAA, anybody from the shop, give me a call. And by the end of the week, I'll have an ad running for you. I produced five Facebook ads in the last week for companies. I'm sure I could do one more for the MAAA or for a, you know for one of the hobby shops or a manufacturer. If you don't know, because the industry needs to, to need to invest in their industry as well. Not they can't bank the farm kind of thing, but um, yeah, but course. they need to really you know show, show some leadership as well. So I'm looking at them and the MAAA uh, to try to work together to, you know, get some, you know, even it's not going to cost a lot. That'll be the start. Get the come try days. Another little tip for the clubs. You're running an event. Go and advertise it on Facebook. Target your demographic. I said, I think in last week's episode or a couple of weeks ago, I said, if any club doesn't know how to do it, give me a call, send me a message. I'll tell you how to do it. I'm getting puffed out, Gavin, so we're going to end this. Now, Gavin. We're up to the final question, and this is going to be very hard for you to answer this question because it is no, what has not. been your favourite model? And you've probably had years to practice for this, you know, hoping that one day I'd invite you onto the podcast because you've listened to everyone five times. 
I was surprised I got invited, actually. Well, you twisted my arm and I told you I was running low Did on I? gas. I was running low on gas and <laughs> yeah. I thought I'll just get oh, Gavin yeah, you, on and you make were fun desperate. of I thought I'd make fun of Gavin. Make you, a, oh, you've done enough of that as it is. Anyway. So, yes, I did have to, I did have, to have my trailer enlarged. <laughs> we don't want to talk about enlargements. Answer the question, Gavin. What has been your favourite model? So the one that stands out, it's a little bit different. It's probably a little bit like Michael Tim's flying lawnmower, was it? Was it Timsy? Yeah, yeah, I think he had a flying lawnmower. So the model I had the most fun out of um, was actually a Funjet Ultra, a multiplex fun, uh, Funjet Ultra. I had a HET TW23 in it, which is high-performance in-runner, 5x5 prop, um, 5S 2200 milliamp battery pack, 85 amp ESC, and it was just a speed demon machine. It was just, put it this way, you just did not push that throttle unless you knew where the nose was because it would cover the field in a couple of seconds. You could actually pull back on the throttle and pull vertical and the amount of energy still left in the model to climb was just fantastic. And you look, I know it's, it's different, but you know what? That's the one that I, and actually I killed it at, at the P and Dark's field. I had, um, I had a friend launch it for me who wasn't very experienced. I think he's a bit worried about his fingers and um, gave it the limp toss instead of the nice, good high power, high power throw on it. Yeah, look, a torque rolled on me and I tried to push out inverted and um, terra firma said, not today, sunshine. And, um, uh, and it was a multiplex day. It was a multiplex day. And anyway, I thought, you know what, bugger it. And I just cyanoed the nose back on. And um, it was me and Mark from the PN. We were having speed runs to see who had the fastest fun jet. And I put it on the down line and planted it. And as I pulled out to level, off came the nose. And by God, did it go in hard. <laughs> that was <laughs> the end of it. you could see the look on my face at you when you said the words multiplex fun jet. Yep. You have lost the plot. No, I haven't. You have so so many more no. nice models, and you've picked a foamy that has no rudder. Yep, that just went fast. Why have you got I all really these other liked, models? I really enjoyed it since because I the, like them. Since you're in the giving mood, you're going to give me yep. a fly rod. You can just give me your havoc. You're not going to fly. I'll, look, I'll swap you. I'll get you a fly. Look, if you, were, if you were the mode champion, mode one, I would definitely give you a fly, Andrew. On mode two, mode of champion. Just remember that. Mode two is the mode of champion. So <laughs> I got in first. Shall I, rattle, shall I rattle off all the champions that fly mode two? Jace Ducio, Edo Segev, Andrew Sill. Glenn Orchard. Oh, hang on. He doesn't Glenn, come on the podcast. Glenn Orchard. He's a champion. He, he'll be a bigger champion if he comes on the podcast. You know, there's plenty of champions that fly mode two. I mean, it's mode one is just an Australian, I don't know what, historic thing, but it's, I don't get it. But anyway. Multiplex Funjet. Well, good on you. Congratulations for enjoying. So you know, I, I don't want to name another. I don't point. want to name, a, name another model and be, and be canned for it, like a lot of other people oh, have. Oh, good. Well, at least you, at least you followed the rules. Like I'm you, sticking you, to my guns. You struggled to the answer questions. I've had to ask you the question about you know Cameron Sexton three times, and you went off on tangents. I was well. I was alluding to it. Do you do you cut me off? No such thing as a short phone call with Gavin Sexton because we go around in circles. Anyway, hang on. You phoned me. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Be quiet, Kevin. <laughs> Minor detail. That, that is true. I did ring you and I did invite you to be on the podcast. And look, I've really enjoyed this. Uh, it's been good. Look, as I said, there's a lot of people that we know and we're friendly with at the field 
but yeah. we've never had that conversation about where did it all start kind of thing. And and as I always say every week. Everyone's got a story. We're even finishing each other's sentences now. Yep. That's enough. Anyway, Gavin Sexton, it's been a pleasure to have you on the Flat Out RC podcast. Thank you for being a big supporter of Flat Out RC too. Probably one of the oh, biggest no, look, of all thanks, time. Andrew. And um, I haven't seen you for a while due to COVID, but uh, one day – oh, no, I might see you this weekend. I'll see you this weekend. That is the Yeah, aim. I'll see you on Saturday. Yep. Look, I've just, I just got a message from Tim Nolan, the president of the MAAA. He must have, his ears must be ringing. <laughs> He's going to give me a call. There you go. Anyway. Tim's doing a good job. He's trying his best. Gavin, you're doing you're doing a good job so, as well. So no, look, actually speaking of good jobs, look, just a big thanks, Andrew, um, from Aero Modeling in general in Australia with with what you did with the magazine and what you still continue to do now with the podcast and um, and your video channel. I mean, it's um, there's really isn't anyone else anymore. It's um, it's pretty sad. But no, a big thanks, I think, from a lot of people. There's a reason why there's nobody else because uh, they're not as stupid as me. But I must say, uh, do enjoy producing the podcast. Enjoyed a lot more than producing the magazine because it was so much work, and I had to do ninety percent of it. I bet. So, um, uh, but uh, you just remind me, I've got to have the designer that designed the magazine for me, Cosmo Mortius, who um, worked for free. Every edition, I gave him a few products that I got given, but I didn't pay him. He wanted to be involved. And um, but he's a great builder of of, of model planes. So I've got to get remind me. I've got to get Cosmo on. Anyway, I've had enough of you, Gavin, and everybody else has as well. So I'm going to go <laughs> now good, because mate. I'm I, I don't have a light on. It's dark, pitch black now in this room. So <laughs> I've got to go. Oh no worries. Look, thanks very much, Andrew. Thanks for having me on. About to leave. Already packing. Come with me. I'm not really asking. We'll get away. Another episode of the Flat Out RC podcast done and dusted. Big thank you to Gavin Sexton for joining me on the podcast and sharing his story with us all and for being good sport because, you know, how many questions at times do I need to ask him about Cameron Sexton's son getting involved in the remodeling? Like, it was three times. He's never going to live that down. And if you see Gavin around the traps down here in Victoria, just ask him the question and just remind him. Just answer the question and stop waffling. Anyway, good guy and uh, look forward to spending more time with him at the Flying Club. Uh, as I mentioned earlier, don't forget to subscribe to Flat Out RC Podcast. Uh, we'd love to have you part of the Flat Out RC family. Things keep on rolling on. We've got more guests coming. Might be talking some gliding next week. I'm trying to think. I've got a podcast recording coming up. We may run that. But we're heading towards the 100th episode, which is a big goal of mine uh, to get to the, the, the 100 mark. Uh, already thinking about what guests we have for the 100 to celebrate because that'll be a big one. But we've still got a fair way to go. But we will get there. Anyway, thanks for joining me. Keep on flying your model planes and building, keeping yourself busy. Hope you're enjoying the hobby as I am. And we'll talk to you next week. For.